You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're defending something that is often mocked, the beach read. Plus, we test some super weird book tech (laughs) and debate about book sharing. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book that you're going to love if you haven't already read it. It's called Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore. Do you know about this? No. Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore by Matthew Sullivan. It is a thriller involving people with trigger warnings. It involves a suicide in the first chapter. Yikes. And it takes, all the thriller takes place at a bookstore. Oh my God. And and with a girl who grew up with a father as a librarian as the main character. And also, Mallory, you would love it. She's kind of plucky. But she's a little down on her luck. Oh my god, that's perfect for me. <laughs> the only other way would be make it better if she was a talking bear. Uh, she's not a talking bear. <laughs> but, but I would still take it. But it's really good so Lucky far. down on their luck women is my... It's like a thriller mystery. You're trying to figure out basically why the guy committed suicide in the first uh, chapter. It's when... really great. And it all takes place at a bookstore okay, for I the most to... part. So it's for book lovers, it combines a lot of things. You know, This books, sounds amazing. Thrillers. Plucky women. Plucky women. <laughs> all, the, all the good stuff. Yeah. What are you reading, Mallory? I am listening on, I'm on audio. I'm doing A Rather Haunted Life, which is a biography of Shirley Jackson, my girl, by Ruth Franklin. And it is amazing because I didn't realize Shirley Jackson kept like diaries and had been writing since she was a little kid. And oh, cool. the author, Ruth Franklin, has accessed all of it. So it's like this super, super detailed biography of her. She just like was the most amazing, badass woman. Like, I wish I could go back in time and be Shirley Jackson. Accent just so I could kick doors open and be like, I'm Shirley, bitch. Like, that she's is just awesome. so cool. Who keeps all of their diaries from when they were like kids? Shirley motherfucking Jackson. I mean, that's the only person. My dad would be like, hey, you have all these books here. I'm like, throw them in the garbage. <laughs> like, Set them on fire. <laughs> Please See, don't share this with anyone ever. I'm actually super jealous because right now I'm writing a biography of someone who did not keep diaries. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this would make my life so much easier. If only. So we have some listener feedback to share this week. We reached out on the Facebook group, which is run by Danielle, for just, you know, go to Facebook and search Reading Glasses. You'll find us there. And I reached out a few weeks ago to see what our listener reader pet peeves are. And you guys responded with some ones that we totally relate to. So Carolyn said when she hates it when she forgets there's a book club guide on the last 10 pages of a book <gasps> that she doesn't want to end. Oh, oh. No, I hate that when you think there's a bunch of the book left, but it's just all oh, reading that's what she questions. Means. I thought you meant, I thought it, she meant like, oh, there were books that she thought there were like questions she could have been thinking about the whole book, which I do no. like a book club guide for that reason. I actually do like that, but at the, like when you oh, think she you have like a realizes, bunch of book left. She's like, oh, I have like a yeah, hundred pages of this book, but really it's like not that many. Yeah. Oh, that kills oh, me. Oh, that's a bummer. Noah says can't, he doesn't like it when he can't find a good position to read in. Ugh. We're going to have an all episode on this. We're, we actually have a whole episode. Yeah, we got to do that. Positions to read in. Um, uh, Emma says she doesn't like it when people ask me to give my opinions on a book that I've not finished. Like I'm a third of the way through and people are like, how is it? And she's like, I don't know yet, which I also feel the same way. Oh, I, I totally feel like sometimes I rec- I'm like talking about a book and then at the end I'm like, I'm sorry I told you that was good. It wasn't that good. Yeah, that happens to me. That happened to me recently. I, I started a book and it was really good and then the end was not very good. We've got a lot of feedback. There's uh, also Kelly said dog-eared pages, mm. which, by the way, I just have to tell you, I dog-ear my pages. Yeah, I know, aren't they? I th- I'm the worst. I, I'm not at the library in, books, but if it's mine, yeah, you yeah. know, in my as, as I get older, I care less. It depends on if I'm borrowing that book from somebody or not. Mm, no, yeah, if you're borrowing the book, no way. It's, if it's my own book, I feel I I just don't dog-ear pages because I have such a like. In, I have a very impressive bookmark collection. Uh, yeah. Mallory keeps... And also, you keep your books pretty pristine considering you have a book brush. I do. We haven't even touched on the fact we that have, Mallory owns a brush. 
specifically Guys, designed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mallory owns a brush designed to brush the dust off of books. Am I right? Yes. It is specific. <laughs> I will go. It's some, we'll talk about it in a book tag segment, but I. It's that's how bad I am. It, it brushes as if you. Here's how you know how you also you could get the dust off of your books. Just like blow on them, like. <sighs> Have you seen how many books I have, Bria? I would pass the fuck out. <laughs> I would this could die. be a good lung building exercise <laughs> for you. Well, no, but the brush has like a special little bristle, like harder bristles on the end for getting the tops of books and softer bristles in the middle made up that are for getting the spines. All right, save it for the book tag. I will. I, I love my book brush. <laughs> so we're going to do a little bit of follow-up from a previous episode, uh, episode three, Readers in a Non-Reader World. We talked a lot about banned books. So a friend of ours, writer Tonya Thompson, actually grew up in a place where her high school was famous for the amount of banned books that were in the library. Tonya, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Lindale, Texas is where I grew up. They were on 2020 or primetime, one of the one of those shows, for banning 32 books my sophomore year of high school. And the way that it kind of worked is we read Joy Luck Club for the AP English class that I was taking over the summer, and we had to write a book report for it and all this other stuff. And we come back to school in the fall, and they're like, pretend you never read that. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to discuss these book reports. Basically, you did all this reading in writing of this book report for no reason, because that was kind of the the book that started the whole, we need to start banning books kind of thing. What, and was, what was in Joy Luck Club? I've never read Joy Luck Club. I'm assuming it's a filthy book. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> there is one point um, in the book, and I remember reading this as a teenager. I haven't read it since I was a teenager, but there was one point where there was something like a really vague description of sex, but it wasn't, like explicit in any way it was just something about like the squeaking of a mattress or something i mean it was something really tame um it, but yeah so yeah the, the, there was a a minister whose daughter was in my grade and so when he learned what his daughter was reading i guess he was like oh hell no we're not doing this i and, hate squeaky mattresses my, no daughter of mine's gonna read about that <laughs> And so he went to the school board and he was like, you know, this, this conflicts with the values of our community is the, like the official line that they gave. And the board voted unanimously to ban 32 books. And I, I've never seen like the entire list of books that they banned. I can't find it anywhere. So I have no idea what books most people have read that maybe I haven't read. <laughs> um, I did read To Kill a Mockingbird before they banned it. Um, but that was one of the books in, like just under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read it my freshman year, so so I I got one of those banned books in before they started banning books, and then they replaced our next um, summer reading for AP English with the first five books of the Bible because there's nothing violent or graphic in that. Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> so, so I mean, just, as a reader, it was super interesting. So you're a writer. How do you yes. think this has affected you? So this like uh, this big hole in your, you know, your the curriculum, the literary cur- curriculum that you grew up with. There's all these works of classic literature and part of the literary canon of America that you missed out on. Do you think that affects you in your writing? 
Yeah, actually it did. Um, I wrote a lot when I was younger in the first part of high school. And then when they started banning all of these books, I was kind of like, oh, we have to write, you know, in this sort of way, or it's not quote unquote, right. And none of my stories were right because they were horror stories. So um, (laughs) I stopped writing for a while. I started doing art instead and, you know, drawing pictures of like swords and a heart and, you know, because, you know, that's art. That's fine. But if you have that kind of thing in a book, it's bad. Um, So, so yeah, I did that for a while. And then, you know, I decided, you know what, this was kind of crappy that they banned all of these books, you know, this last year, especially when I started working in a children's uh, library at an elementary school. And I realized how much I had missed because they had banned those books. Like there were books that volunteers and even the librarian there were like, you've never read, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, my school banned a bunch of books and I have no idea what that's about. Um, kind of thing. So it's like, because I didn't have a list, I didn't know what I missed. I had no idea. You don't know. What most people have read by the time they finish high school. I wonder if they kept the list away from you on purpose too. So you couldn't go search for those books. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, the thing is, is like, it's not just about the banned books. It's like any community that will ban books, especially to that extent, they also won't teach books in their curriculum. Um, You know, I found also, as I've gone through life, that their curriculum there was very neat and buttoned, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Um, Like, I didn't read any books by Black authors, by... I read one book by a Latina author. It was um, The House on Mango Street. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to read that one. Um, but it was, I mean, it was very much a white male-dominated curriculum. And, you know, that wasn't what I wrote. That wasn't what I enjoyed reading. Um, we didn't even have good books, like, in our library. It was all very tame. So do you library. think that this has affected your, your you as a reader? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think not possibly in the way that they intended for it to. Um, I didn't go to the library as a kid, like as at the public library. I lived, you know, way out in the country and, you know, neither of my parents really knew anything about the library. So you know, I wasn't familiar with a public library. The only library I had access to was a school library, but my dad loved garage sales. And so anytime we go to a garage sale, we would pick up books, you know, for 10 cents or whatever they were at the garage sale and you know most of the time they weren't books for kids you know it was all you know they were like these bodice rippers and you know all this kind of stuff and I would just pick up whatever looked interesting and read it because at this point you're starved for interesting books (laughs) I was starved for interesting books and so like I mean I still love to read and I loved Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein Mm -hmm. the library had the school library had neither one of those but I saw them at Walmart once and I got hooked. <laughs> that's pretty much all that I read were, you know, like more commercially books because I just didn't have access to anything that was interesting from a library. So do you, do you have advice for anyone who is sort of, I mean, there are still places banning books. There are people who have lived under the ban of books. I mean, do you have advice for people who've been through this or are going through this? I think the most important thing is one, look at your local public library for what they have available because they're going to be much better about not banning books unless you're in a really small town than, you know, it might 
bleed over into the public library there. But I think it's also, you know, read outside of what the school tells you you should be reading, because if they're banning a bunch of books, they're probably not exposing you to books that you should be exposed to. Um, So for those who want to read something beyond Geoffrey Chaucer, which actually we read and the teacher read it to us in Old English. It was really beautiful (laughs) the way that she read it, but I didn't understand um, any of it. You know, look outside, look at what is topping the charts on Amazon in a category that you're interested in. You know, go to your local indie bookstore, go to a library and get books from there. Because if your school is banning books, then they're probably not teaching you a lot of books that other schools might teach you. You may not be reading anything but old white dead guys and nobody wants to do that. Yeah. So if you, you, Tonya, you work in a library right now. If someone thinks that they might be experiencing a book ban, how do they find that out? And what can they do to reverse that or fight back? So something that I actually discovered while I was trying to find a list of the books that my school had banned was that the ACLU And the American Library Association both sort of keep a tally, I guess, of which books are banned in different school districts. The ACLU actually lists specific school districts. So you can see, um, you can go to a specific school district on their website and you can look and you can say, okay, I'm in, you know, X school district, these books are banned. And then you can go to your local library and read them or, you know, go on Amazon or, you know, wherever you want to go to buy them. Um, one thing that I did want to say was that, you know, Mallory, you and I both loved The Hate You Give, and that is definitely a book that would have been banned Mm -hmm. at my school. In fact, I would not be surprised if it's on the list next year of banned books, um, at my former high school. But, um, one of, one of the things that I really want to do is make sure that, Kids have access to these books that might be banned at their school. And Mallory, you know this. I um, did a giveaway of five books, five um, copies of The Hate You Give uh, a week or so ago because I wanted to make sure that people had access to that book. And that's something that I want to do on a regular basis when I think an important book comes out that has, you know, quote unquote, questionable content that some of these more conservative communities might restrict access to. I want to make sure that those kids still have access to those books. That's super rad. So where can we find you online if we want to read more about that, if we want to read your stories, if we want to check you out? Where Where's the best place? So I'm on pretty much every social media thing except for Facebook as Mystifying, M-I-S-S-D-E-F-Y-I-N-G. And my website is Tanya Thompson, T-O-N-I-A, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N dot com. Cool. Thanks awesome. so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me. This is awesome. So we think that Tanya's giveaway for The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas is such a great idea. and It's totally amazing. So Bree and I are going to sponsor it. We're both donating books to the cause. And if you want to help, there will be a link in the show notes to donate books or funds to help get this book in the hands of teens. So before we defend Beach Reads, we're going to take a quick break. What the f*** is an interview? I mean, I do not know. That was Oscar-winning filmmaker Errol Morris. I'm Jesse Thorne, host of NPR's Bullseye. Allow me to introduce The Turnaround, a new podcast series produced by MaximumFun.org and presented with the Columbia Journalism Review. 
Join me as I sit down with some of our greatest living interviewers to ask them about interviewing and why and how they do what they do. We'll go deep with some of the biggest names in media, people like Larry King, Katie Couric, Audie Cornish. We'll be among friends on The Turnaround. Two episodes a week, all summer. Subscribe now and tell somebody. So this week, we're talking about the much maligned term, the beach read. Yeah, it's summertime. People are going to the beach. Maybe yeah. you're at the beach right now listening to this podcast. Whoa. Reading a beach read. Whoa. So first off, what is a beach read? The term beach read is often used as like a derogatory term for a book. If someone says something is a beach read, it usually means it's too fluffy, doesn't have a lot of substance. In a non-derogatory way, it can mean a book is light and easy to read. It's not longer than like 300-ish pages. It could mean a compelling mystery or very often it has, it's a lady story. It has yeah. to do with women's lives or, or romance or something centered around women. Okay, you want to know some facts about the beach and women? Yes. <laughs> You can tell I really stretched for this one. <laughs> it's cool. In Elaine Corbin's book, The Lure of the Sea, The Discovery of the Seaside in the Western World from 1750 to 1840, he writes about the beach being an aggressive medical treatment to toughen up young girls who appeared too pale. Oh, no, it's me. So, <laughs> Mallory, watch out for this if you, if you travel back in time in the 1750s. Oh, no. The bathers would plunge female patients into the water just as the waves broke, taking care to hold their heads down so t- as to increase the impression of suffocation. That's the way they would toughen up young girls. So beaches and women haven't always gotten along. It's not Uh. always been the relationship of tankinis and martinis. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that we've gotten a little friendlier with the beach. Fuck all these guys. (laughs) So why is this bad? Why is it bad to have a maligned section of books that we shouldn't, that people don't like? So there's a, there's a twofold stigma with this beach read thing. So one, because many beach reads are about women's stories and the patriarchy makes us look down on those. They're deemed lesser. We're taught that only ladies want to read stories about ladies and women's stories and women's perspectives aren't as important. So these books don't have as much substance. So they are better as a beach read because they're light and fluffy and they don't matter as much. I read a, um, an article that had uh, it looked at the covers of a lot of these books, uh, uh, books called beach reads, and the vast majority of them were pink or light blue yeah. like they were like literally Pastels. like kind of pastel-y girly colors that was like defined it as a beach read and to, and also because they're so easy to read their lo- beach reads are looked down very often by the snoot police people who are thinking that you know you can only read thick important tomes and they if you read for fun and then, then it's not as important of reading which is all bullshit right so basically like there's this category of book we call it beach reads we associate it with women and then we say that is a bad book yes yeah, <laughs> like we, we take this entire this entire section of books because it's light because it's short because it's fluffy and we say that is a bad book and then we associate it with women which is not a good idea yes it's bullshit uh, you know beach reads are not you know they're not quote-unquote real books it's not quote-unquote serious reading so we're gonna take the beach read back we're yeah gonna make it a positive term reading glasses is here to take the, the beach read term back reading glasses says fuck the patriarchy okay the patriarchal thing is bullshit and if you're writing off a book because it's got romance or a pastel cover about lady stuff like go jump in a well yeah We could do another five episodes about the importance of women's stories, but being easy to read and fun and light is not a bad thing. Sometimes you want that. 
Like when you're on a beach. Uh, Maybe like if you're, look, if you're experiencing something kind of difficult in your life, you may not want to be reading a very heavy book. I mean, there's a lot of times when I think you really want an easy to read, very accessible book that you can just jump into and jump out of. And that is, you know, that it can happen at the beach, but also can be a very serious time in your life. Also, and that act is super important. Also, Reading is fun. Sorry, Snoop Police. Books always don't have to be super important. Five million pages long and about the most important, serious, grim shit in the world to matter. You know, it doesn't have to be dense and intense. You know, fuck the Snoop Police. Read your cozy mysteries. Read your Bridget Jones diary. You're reading. You're experiencing a story. You're doing the same as anyone who's reading a very difficult book as well. Like, There's no difference between you and that person. And also remember that beach read is a marketing term. Publishers know that people do actually want a book for the beach during the summer. So they're just going to and anything that's marketed as a beach read, they're going to pick it up. Just like with lots of publishing stuff, if you see a book on a beach reads table at Barnes & Noble, it was probably paid to be put there. Nowadays, lots of things are are called beach reads. Basically, whatever the top selling list of books is, they're probably going to be on the beach reads table. Really? Yeah. So it's, you know, I it doesn't matter anyways. It's already the term is getting so gray and overused that it needs to stop being derogatory. Also, don't forget that until the 18th century, the beach was not really a place for relaxing. So a beach read could technically mean anything. A beach was a place where only bad things happened, like shipwrecks and like sea serpents and pirates and wraths of gods, things like that. That all happened at the beach. So if we're associating certain things with the beach, the beach could be a real bad place. Read horror on the beach. <laughs> but we think it's a positive term here, and we just want to talk about that we should be redefining it. Any easily read book can be a beach read, so you need to embrace that term. We want uh, to hear people talk about a great short book like, oh, my God, that would just be the perfect beach read. Hell, yeah. Even if it's about cannibalism. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Why not make a dark book? It's short. It's easy to read. It's an accessible book about cannibalism. How easy is it to be a cannibal? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we want to emphasize the easy to read part and erase the derogatory lady story and substanceless part. We want to erase the stigma because that helps people see female stories as something that are full of substance and important. And also reading for pleasure to be seen as something great and important, too. And we have a couple recommendations for you guys of things that might not be typically thought of as beach reads, but we think they are. Yeah. The first one, which I actually did get to read on on a beach, is called Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. And it is very short. I think it's only like 180 pages. And it's also like a small book. So the pages are very small. It's like teeny, teeny, tiny, good for fitting in your beach bag. Oh, I like that. Also, if you read a short book and then you finish it on the beach, you get such a sense of accomplishment. Oh, it's Because you're not really accomplishing anything on the beach. And if you're like me and you can't tick something off your to-do list, then like you don't feel as good about it. Yeah. But if you finish a book... Good, good. Okay, sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I, I'm totally the same way. I, and I did read this in one sitting on the beach. It's about this woman. She wakes up in a hospital and this little boy is whispering stuff into her ear and telling her about something that has happened. She knows that somebody's been poisoned, but she doesn't know who it is. She doesn't know why she's in this hospital. It's really dreamy and really weird. And like, it's not like light and like oh it's not happy but it's totally easy to read and fun and i loved it that's great i want to recommend annihilation which is part of the southern reach trilogy by jeff vandermeer uh, which is a great dark horribly scary book that your brain can really get into and um there's three of them if you want to really make a go of it but the first one has a lot of beach stuff going. you're living and I on read the beach it. for a week you can read the whole, tr- whole trilogy exactly and i read it at the beach and I, it was such a weird book to read on the beach 
Another book, by the way, that we hadn't even talked about is The Hike, which we both read together by by Drew McGarry, which has a whole beach scene in the middle of it. With the weird crab. With the weird crab and a a talking crab. And it's kind of scary and weird. Yes, but we both really enjoyed that. That would be super fun to read. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to throw a wrench into this beach read idea. So there was an article I read that is all about how your brain gets is when you're on vacation is more likely to get more involved in a story because this makes total sense when you think about it. Because you aren't dealing with your day in and day out, you're more likely to get engrossed in a story and you remember those stories better that you read on vacation and you just get more involved in them. So you actually can read a tougher book because you have like the brain capacity to handle a really complicated story because you're not thinking about oh no what time do I pick up the kids from dance practice because you're on the beach relaxing so beach reading is the most important reading it is not only the the not light fluffy reading it is the reading that you are going to be remembering and treasuring for a long time so fuck you snooty police beach read is the most important hell yeah I now when I picture this new police, they are wearing glasses at the end of their very long cartoonish noses, but they also have on a police outfit, but like kind of an old timey one, and they're yeah. carrying around like a club. Yeah, and like they're, they're they're swinging it around, and they're like, if you're reading a beach they just like knock it out of your hands. But then a tsunami comes and takes them out. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Snoop Police. That's such that's so cool. I just think that this idea can be. It's just a really dangerous idea. Absolutely, is to take an entire section of book and go. Oh, I just don't read that kind of book or to be snooty when someone yeah. is reading that kind of book. I think plane reads is a similar thing where people think of it as a book you buy in the airport when they sell some really good books in the airport. Yeah. That's a gr- honestly beach reading and plane reading is like prime reading time for me. Yeah, you know, it's a I great save time. I save books for when I have a really long flight or when I have time on the beach. Exactly. You're not looking at your phone. Yeah. You're not worried about what email you need to reply to unless you're on the plane and you get Wi-Fi, which why pay why do that? I just I just oh, want to read. Masochists. Exactly. I just think this is a great way for people to explore lighter books, explore different kinds of books. Hell yeah. Email your favorite beach read books to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we look at some very weird reading technology, we're going to take a quick break. Creativity, comedy, and friendship. All these things and more are waiting for you at Max FunCon East at the maybe haunted Pocono Manor, September 1st through 3rd. We only have a few tickets left, and they're on sale right now. So head on over to MaxFunCon.com to buy your tickets. Don't miss out. So now it's time for a new segment called Book Tech, where we look at advances in bookish technology. So perfect for reading on the beach. Mallory, you bought these things on Amazon. This was my idea. I take full responsibility for this. <laughs> there are these things called prism spectacles. Okay. They're $9.99 on Amazon. My, Mallory purchased these. I bought them for me and Priya. Uh-huh. They're these weird glasses with a bunch of angled mirrors and a little plastic cube in the in like the lens. So it makes it so that when you're lying down, you're lying prone and you have them on, you're looking straight up, you can see your lap. Yeah. So... Yeah, so you have to imagine you're lying and looking at the ceiling, but you put on these glasses, and then you—it's just—it's just like a periscope. Yeah, basically. that's all it is, right? Yeah, a periscope is the one that bends twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something, right? Yes, twice. Yeah, yeah. So it's just literally two mirrors, 
So you can look downward instead of looking upward and you don't have to move your neck. And the whole point is for either, you know, when you're laying in bed or you're laying on the beach, you're reading, you want to lay back, but you also want to read. You don't want to put your head up. So you can keep your book in your lap and you have these weird glasses on. And we both tried them out. If you also... still in my living room. (laughs) Please check out our Instagram when this episode goes up because we're going to put pictures up of both of us with these horrifying glasses on. Bria, what did you think of these? Oh, man. I think... If you are a person who's like, I just cannot be bothered to be looking down at a book, <laughs> then I think these are great for you. If you are interested <laughs> these are in these, for you. if you are too, you don't want to look downward at your book or can't sit up. Look, there are people that I guess you cannot sit up, and so they are good for you. But for me, as a person who can sit up or can just look down at my book, these were really silly. And also, I get really bad motion sickness and they immediately oh gave God. me vertigo. Yeah, they're really like you have to you can't put them on while you're standing up because it'll ruin your life. It is it literally was like yeah, it immediately it was immediately felt like I was like falling off a cliff Ooh. and it kind of made me feel sick at my stomach, which I can't do um uh what do you call it virtual reality either because I get sick cuz cuz I've such bad uh I've oh, such wow. bad motion sickness and this felt similar. See, I hated these. They made me sick. And also, caveat, they wouldn't fit over my regular glasses. Oh, so no. So if you are sight impaired, no about that. like me, and you wear glasses, they just don't fit over that over your glasses. So, you know, maybe these, you know, if you are able-bodied and are interested in these, have you ever heard of that trick where you just, like, put some sand underneath your towel and make a little pillow for yourself to prop your head up? It's probably a better idea than getting these glasses. It's They're true. wicked weird. It's true. It's true. And I'm usually sitting in a chair anyway when I'm reading. It's not often that I'm just laying flat on my back and being like, I want to be reading. Although, I will say, sometimes I read in bed at night and I'm laying flat on my back and I read with my Kindle and I always fall asleep reading and then I drop the Kindle and it hits me in the head. And like this would be a good reason to have them at that moment. But then you fall asleep with these weird glasses on. It's true. I mean, but I also fall asleep with the Kindle straight up in the air, so I don't. Oh, fair oh, I mean, I don't. I don't. I put it down eventually, and I think I would take the glasses off eventually. So we give this one out of five pages. One out of five pages for me as well. But you know, if you need these, if this is something that you're like, oh, I really have always needed something like that, and you're a person who really wants to lay on your back and read, I can see why you'd like them. Yeah, I guess I would. I see. I'm so biased because they couldn't fit over my glasses. Yeah, it doesn't so make dumb. I was I was over once that I realized that I also have very large glasses, but it just <laughs> wasn't working out for me. So you go check out our Instagram Reading Glasses Podcast or Twitter Reading G Podcast to see a picture of us in these ridiculous glasses. If there's any book tech you want to hear us review, please send it to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We have some more stuff coming up that we have bought off of Amazon that Mallory has insisted on buying that she thinks is going to be helpful with assisting in reading. Now, let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. At JamesVT on Twitter wants to know, is it ever acceptable to both read the same book at once, alternating custody, a bookmark each? If not, who gets to read it first? Uh, Mallory, what do you think about this? I guess. I know. it For me, it all depends on your reading speed and your schedule. Like, if you both want to read it, but you know that your friend or your roommate or your partner, they will get through it first, just acquiesce. It's like playing mini golf. Like, let them play through, man. Like, don't hog a book if you know that the other person will finish it before you. Like, but if you guys are both reading it kind of on the same time at the same, like, you know, 
maybe you always read at night and your partner always reads in the morning. So you can read some of it and then leave it for your partner in the morning to read while they're eating breakfast. Like, okay, cool. And I understand this. Like, you buy the book. You guys both want to read it. It's like, I, I feel like this happened to me when Ready Player One came out and I was dating someone who wanted to read it. And he read it. Actually, never even ended up reading it because I wanted to read it at the same time we bought it. And then he read it and he took too long to read it and I never got to Yeah, it. that's my problem with this is that I read, inevitably read it like you know, a much greater speed than whoever I'm dating because mm. I read really fast. You know, my, my boyfriend reads like... No, uh, you? Reading fast? <laughs> reading a lot? No way. Crazy. Get out. My boyfriend... <laughs> the only person who would read faster is if you started dating like a reading robot. Like if you started dating literally <laughs> just a robot... Reading robots call me. <laughs> like just literally a person who had like trained for speed reading. Like, you know, my boyfriend reads like a book a month. Oh, yeah. If mm-hmm. I let Matt, like, so anytime, oh, God, I just revealed the name of my boyfriend on, on the podcast. That's fine. I can uh, find, we can find him on social media anyway. No, actually, you can't. It's oh. all it's all secretive. Right. That's fine. Well, my boyfriend's name is Matt. Hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I read, you know, one to five books a week. And so if Matt and I get a book, he just automatically gives it to me first because he knows I'm going to get to it. So I guess it all depends on your reading speed. Bria, what do you think about this? I just think this is a high relationship ask. Yes. Okay. Look, I get it. You don't want to buy this book twice if you're in a relationship or if you have, like, a roommate. You guys both want to read it. I get that. But, I mean, this just really seems like you're testing the boundaries of sharing in a relationship, no matter who it is. But I do – I love – here's the thing I like about it. The real cute relationship, like, where are you in the book? Where are you in the book? And, like, you're talking about it. And even, like, with your friends or whatever, where you're like, are you at this point yet? I guess this is the point of having, like, a book club, which I've never really been a part of that much. So um, I get it. I feel like it's, like, too much of a strain on this relationship. But if you are, like, that close to where you can, like, not argue over the book. The thing is, when I have a book and it's time for me to read, especially at night when I like to do my reading, it is time for me to read. And nothing is going to really get in the way of that. And, like, even, like, like if someone's having, having to have a conversation with me, I won't name who, but maybe the person I share a bed with every night <laughs> is, like, oh. having, having a conversation and I'm, like, trying to read. I'm, like, but I'm really trying to get to the point in this part where, like, who did the murdering or whatever? I, I need to who know that. Who did the murdering? Who did the murdering in this book? <laughs> Don't talk to me because someone is in the kitchen with a candlestick. I don't know. Oh, what if you're reading at the same, like literally the same time? Well, you think that's what this person is asking? No. They're sitting on a couch next to each other and they're like, are you ready to turn the page? I think are that's you ready possible. To turn the page? You have to be like mind melded with somebody else to be able to do this, I think. You know what? I, recently, I will say I was on a set not terribly long ago, about a year ago, um, when I was filming a movie called Beyond the Gates. And my friend Chase was sitting next to me and I was reading a comic book and he didn't have anything to read. So I started reading it out loud to him. That's really Which was cute. a very weird thing to do. But we kind of like, and then we started reading the characters to each other. And that was a way to do it. Yeah, where maybe we could go that's- a good it. way to share a book is to read it out loud to each other. Yeah. That's cute. It's good. It's going to take you a really long time to get through it, though. Yeah. Well. Look, I like the idea of this. I'm really curious about what people have to say. If anybody does any co-reading, literal co-reading of the yes. same book with each other. I think we just established, though, that you and I are both selfish with our books. Oh, yeah. We're, we're just like, oh, but 
I'm very book. I'm very book alpha. Yeah, bro. The thing about you, thing about you is like someone has to wait like a day and they can have the book. Yeah, that's really the thing. For me, then they may have to wait a little bit longer. Well, so you, but you read very fast too. So you'll have wait a couple of days. But 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 you know, the average person is not <laughs> doesn't have all the free time that I have when I'm sitting around waiting for my phone to ring. So I think um <laughs> I think uh you know the average person is not reading if it takes them a month to read a book and it just came out and you're like I want to read the new Neil Gaiman. I understand this problem. Yeah. Buy another. Buy it again. Buy it. Just buy a second copy. Well, I think if you, it just all depends on scheduling. Yeah. Okay. All right. Scheduling. If you put together a schedule, we're interested in hearing what the schedule is. Yes. So if you have a bookish problem that you want me and Bria to solve, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and we will give you our bookish expertise. So we're going to leave you this week with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers in the online community using the hashtag for this episode, hashtag take back the beach read. Tweet or Instagram a beach read and you reading on the beach or a beach read with you not reading on the beach. Maybe you're just reading a beach read anytime and it's been recommended for a beach read, but you decided to be a rebel and read it at the lake. Maybe you're just reading it at your house. (laughs) What if you're reading it in front of a pool? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never know. So if you like the show, please take the time to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you rate or review uh, your podcast. It really helps us. It makes us very, very happy. It makes our whole day. <laughs> I don't know why Mallory is so sad when we I talk about I get really this. emotional about it. Yeah, it really helps us. It makes us super happy and it gets us to reach more readers. Yes. So listeners can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Oh, and also if you want to uh, see a transcript, uh, not exactly a transcript, an outline of this show, we are going to be posting them to the Maximum Fun blog. So go and check that out. If you want to point any of your friends or people who with hearing impairments who might be interested in reading the notes about this show, uh, send them that way. So thanks for listening. And, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.